You're listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast, where our focus is helping people to connect to God, change, and thrive in life. All right, these guys are doing from the book, quick overview of the Bible, but I want to do something a little different because I don't follow directions very well. I want to enhance your quiet times. I want you to learn things that as you read your Bible, you're going to go, oh, I recognize that theme. Okay, you need, oh, you need the handout? Okay. So what we're going to go over is recurring themes in the Bible. Okay, things that you're going to read and go, oh, I've read that before. Oh, I know what that means. If you have a handout, the, the, the first Recurring theme, and these are all from God's point of view, is God saying, I love you and I want to be close to you. Okay, you see that all through the Bible. I mean, we know John 3.16, right? He says, God loved us so much, he gave us Jesus, right? Here in Matthew, sorry, Matthew 10, are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of the Father. And even the, even the very hairs of your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. See, God loves you. And he wants to be close to you. And you see that all through. Um, he disciplines us, though, right? How many of us have kids? Okay. Do you love your kids? Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, sometimes. I know how you feel. <laughs> Okay, overall, though, you love your kids, and you want the best for them. You want to be close to them. They want, you want them to talk to you. That changes when they get teens. But that's what you want, okay? God's the same way with us. We are his children. Um, in, in Jeremiah 29, we, we, we all know, know that one, too, because he's, he's, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you'll call upon me and pray to me, and I'll listen to you. You'll, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I'll gather you from all the nations and places where I banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into, into exile. God wants to be with us. He wants to know us. He wants to be close. Now, we need to reciprocate, right? Being, being close to God means what? Like, what do you do when you're close to God? Anybody? Talk to him. You pray. Right? You, sh- you show up to church. <laughs> okay? Okay? And I, and I gave you these notes, so you can go over this later. I'm not going to read each one of these s- scriptures, but I want you to go over this and see how God does want to be close to you. Next page, n- number two. Recurring theme in the Bible, from God's point of view. He says, I know what's best. I have a plan. Trust me. Okay? Now, again, those of you with kids, do your kids sometimes disagree with you on the best way to proceed with stuff? Mine do. (laughs) And fathers, who's right, the small child or the father? The dad, every time. Okay? Right? The parent is always right, especially with small, small children. And guess who's the children between us and God? Us. Guess who's always right? God. 
Okay? God will be right every single time. Now, do my kids always agree that I'm right? No, they don't. They sometimes think I'm a complete idiot. I know, hard to believe. (laughs) But I'm right every time. (laughs) Okay. Okay, look at this. In Isaiah 55, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God has a plan. It may not be the timing that we want. In fact, it may not be the plan that we want. But his plan is better. I could give you numerous examples of things that I prayed for, and I was super, really you know, into it. God, please come through. And God did not come through. And usually I can look back on it and go, oh, thank you, God, <laughs> for not coming through. Um, yes, yeah, seriously, many times. When I was graduating from college, 1989, I had 45 job interviews. I was living in San Diego. I was dating the sister in the church in San Diego. And I knew that if I moved, that would be the end, end of that relationship. And I couldn't find a job in San Diego. I had seven job offers. Berkeley, Torrance, San Pedro, all over, but no San Diego. And I thought, what are you doing, God? I've been praying. I had other people in the church praying for me. Please help Dave get a job in San Diego. Because the church in L.A. didn't even exist yet. Okay? But I, got, but I ended up getting a job in Torrance. Right about the time the church got started here in L.A. So I moved to Torrance. I started the job. I broke up with my girlfriend in San Diego. Okay. Thankfully. <laughs> in fact... My wife, Diane, was discipling this sister at that point. Yeah. Yeah. We were all on the same campus ministry, campus ministry together. But I tell you, I can look back on that now and go, oh, I see what God was doing. Right. Did I like it? No. I was a little upset at God, actually. But I can look back and go, oh, God, thank you so much. That sister, by the way, fell away about two years later, left the church. Thank you, God, (laughs) for leading me out of that relationship. Because if I had stayed in San Diego, I might have married her. You never know. But I moved to L.A. We broke up. Shortly after there, Diane and I started dating. Scales fell from my eyes. And I went, oh, hey, Right? And we've been married for decades now. 1992. This will be 27 years. It's worked out for me. Okay? But at the time, I was not happy about it. Now, I want to know, what is it that you've prayed about that God didn't come through? Like, you know when you're praying about something? It could be a relationship. It could be a job. It could be healing. God, please heal me or heal my Family member. And usually God comes through, right? But sometimes he doesn't. And you've got to trust. God has a plan. He's the dad. I'm the child. Dad always knows better. Right, dads? 
That's right. Okay. Um, Exodus 14, read it here. Moses answered the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Okay. Trust the plan, even when it doesn't look right. God has a plan. Oh, we'll skip the next one. By the way, wait, go home and read these. Number three. This one's a little hard for us as disciples. God says, I want all the glory. Therefore, honor me, respect me, appreciate me, and thank me. Now, this is a bit hard for us as disciples because we're taught pride and arrogance is a sin. And it is for us because by comparison to God, we're nothing. God, on the other hand, does deserve praise, honor, glory, and he expects it. Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Okay, he expects to be praised. Exodus 12, because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt, and on this night all the Israelites are to keep vigil to honor the Lord for generations to come. He expects honor. Next page, Exodus 14, 4. I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them, but I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. Okay? There's a whole bunch of these. I I found lots of examples. Remember when the ten lepers were healed and only one of them came back to thank him? Jesus was like, what? Only one and it's a foreigner? That's what it says, okay? God expects to be honored, to be thanked, to be appreciated, to be respected. Again, parents, you know how this goes. You want your children to respect you. And when they don't, you're like, hey, whoa, whoa, I raised you. I gave you birth, okay? You need to honor me. You need to obey me. God's the same way. All right. Um. In fact, in Numbers 20, it says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you didn't trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I gave them, or give them. They didn't give God the honor, and he's a little ticked. All right, fine, you don't get to go into the promised land. Because they didn't give God honor. In your life, do you honor God? Do you obey him, respect him, thank him? He expects it. All right. Uh, yeah, we'll go here. First Peter two nine. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare His you declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Let's think about this: chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation, that you may declare the praises. He did this so that you could praise Him. Sounds a little weird, huh? I mean, if I said this to my kids, I do this so you can praise me. (laughs) That'd be a little weird because you and I don't deserve honor and praise and glory. God, on the other hand, does. He deserves it, and we need to give it to him. All right, you can read the rest of those on your own. Number four on the next page. God says, you humans are messed up. And you continually mess up. You need redemption. 
I was just saying this to somebody earlier. The older I get, the more I realize we're all messed up in some way. All of us. Every single one of us. Look to the person on your right and your left real quick. That person is messed up. (laughs) Messed up. In fact, if you knew how messed up they were, you wouldn't be sitting next to them. It's true. But let me tell you. (laughs) The person sitting in your seat is messed up too. That's you, yes. (laughs) God says we are a messed up whole humanity. That's why we need redemption. Romans 3, there's no difference. All have sinned, fall short of the glory of God, and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Okay, who hasn't sinned at all this week? Okay, I can't put up my hand either. (laughs) Right, we're all messed up, every single one of us. Um, I love this. In Mark 10, 17 through 18, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. A little, little hyperbole there, but it says none of us are good. Any of us. We're all messed up. Every, every one of us is warped in our mind, warped in our, 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 our sins. That's why it doesn't make sense to think of yourself either too high or too low. And I've known people that think of themselves, they're all prideful. Yeah, I'm, I'm better than this person or this group. And I also know people that are like depressed. Oh, I'm so much worse than everybody else. I'm terrible. You guys know people like that? Any of you are people like that? I don't know. Both those are wrong because everyone's messed up. It, it doesn't make sense to think of yourself too high. It doesn't make sense to think of yourself as worse than everybody else because everybody else is just as messed up as you. Um, in fact, almost every person in, in the Bible had some amount of good and bad in them. You know, you, you, like you, you look through the kings... And a lot of the kings, you know, they're characterized as good kings or bad kings, but even the bad ones did some good stuff, and even the good ones did some bad stuff. In fact, look at this. David, remember him? He defeats numerous enemies of God, writes amazing songs and poetry to God, and it makes it into the Bible, but also sleeps with the wife of one of his soldiers and has that soldier killed to cover up his adultery. Good and bad. Solomon, super smart guy, builds an elaborate temple for God, writes wisdom literature and poetry for God that makes it into the Bible. Nothing I wrote makes it into the Bible, right? He did, okay? But also extremely lustful, lacking in self-control and conviction, married many foreign women and accumulated riches despite God's explicit commands not to do so. Right, in Deuteronomy 17, 17, in talking about kings, it says he must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. Did Solomon do both those things? Yeah. Right? He messed up. Samson defeats the enemies of God. He's listed in the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11, but similarly lustful and grossly lacking in self-control. So you may think, Okay, I'm not as messed up as those guys. You are. <laughs> Just different ways. Because we're all messed up in different ways. 
All right? I know I'm messed up in multiple ways. What ways are you messed up? It's, it's best to know, to acknowledge, yeah, I messed up. It helps you to appreciate, thank you, God, for saving me. Because you really shouldn't have. You know, you, I, I, I didn't deserve it. Uh, Deuteronomy, so we, so we, 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 sorry, we read that one. Moses, super tight relationship with God, right? Spoke to God face to face. But he had a real anger problem. And he was sometimes timid and doubted God's plan. This is Moses. All right, point number five. God says, I am extremely patient, but I am also just. Now, I'm personally very grateful for his patience. You? Because, like I said before, I'm messed up, right? And God has every reason to justifiably squash me like a bug. And you too. He's extreme, but, he, but he is just. In Romans 2, now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So, then when, so when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think that you'll escape God's judgment? Or do you, or, 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 or do you show contempt for the riches of God's kindness, tolerance, patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? See, God is extremely patient, kind, tolerant, and I'm grateful, and I hope you're grateful as well. But he's also just. He will bring about judgment someday. Fortunately, I would say the vast majority of the people here are disciples. Your sins have been forgiven, right? So, so even though it would be completely justifiable for him to send us to hell, all of us, okay, He's forgiven that. But just like the Israelites who continually sinned, right, over and over, like even after receiving the knowledge, he says, look, you keep doing that. Okay, guys, <laughs> there's a limit, all right? So the key is to remain humble and keep re- repenting. Number six is a bit challenging for a lot of people. What's that? Okay. Okay. Number six says, I am deeply concerned about every individual, but I am more concerned with my family as a whole, as a group. Who's God's family to today? The church. Right. God's concerned with the church. Who was God's family in the Old Testament? The Israelites. Right. He is concerned with the group even more than he's concerned with any individual. A lot of people have a hard time with that. I was talking to somebody about this, and they said, well, that doesn't make me feel very special. Okay, you are special to God, definitely. But the group, the church as a whole, is more special. And interestingly, God will sacrifice or curse the individual if it benefits the group. Remember the guy that was born blind, and Jesus healed him, right? And they said, which, who sinned, this man or his parents? He's like, "Uh, no, and it was neither his parents nor him that sinned, but this was done so that I could heal him, basically. Now, we know the guy was young adult, because his parents were still living, but he was on his own. So maybe, what, 20, 30, I don't know. So he lived for 20, 30 years, blind the whole time. And then Jesus heals him. Those first 20, 30s would suck, (laughs) okay? They would, being teased by 
kids when he's a kid out begging. But he suffered so that God could accomplish something great. Anybody here ever suffer? Of course you have. We all have. In some way. Some of us suffer a lot. Some of us suffer a little. But the fact is God has a plan. And he can use our suffering. He is concerned with the individual. But if your suffering can benefit somebody else or benefit the group, he's fully willing to make you suffer. Uh, Hard to absorb a little bit. I've had brain surgery 12 times. Okay? And yes, that does suck. It's like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. And I've asked God, really? Come on. (laughs) Do I have to go through this? 2010 was my last round of brain surgeries. I had six surgeries in 2010, all in the first, what, two two months or three months? First two months of the year. Bad year. (laughs) Okay? Right? It was, yes, it was a bad year. But I have seen God use my suffering to benefit his kingdom. I can now relate to people that I would not have otherwise been able to relate to. Okay? Don't waste your suffering. I mean, we all suffer somewhat. Use it. I mean, God has a plan for your suffering. Okay? So, if you get cursed by God in some way, God has a plan for it. And he's going to use it, all right, for, 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 for others, for, for the group, okay? So we're going to break out. So I want you to break up into groups of small groups. You decide how many, three, four, five, whatever. In fact, you might want to use the same groups as last time. Discuss a time when God's plan for you did not make sense. And how you learned to trust God that his plan was right. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So go ahead and split up and discuss how God used something that <laughs> a difficult time for you. Okay? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead and split up. Okay, most of you had a chance to at least listen to somebody's story, if not tell yours. Okay. I'm going to close it out with one story here that, that illustrates the point. Okay. Many of you know my daughter Monica, right? Okay. She's 20, almost 21. I know. How did that happen? <laughs> I don't understand how that happened either. I, I, yeah. Well, there was an occasion when she was around five years old where I was making a meal. I was standing at the stove. This is like 15 years ago, so I don't remember what I was making. I could have been stirring something in a pot or flipping pancakes or whatever, but I'm making a meal for the whole family, right? And from behind me, I hear five-year-old Monica she goes, Daddy, I'm hungry. And I said, good. Because <laughs> I'm making food right now for the whole family. It'll be done in just a few minutes, and we'll all sit down at the table, and we'll eat. And I turned back around toward, to face the stove, and I kept doing, my, kept doing my thing. And I'm thinking, ooh, I got away with that pretty well. <laughs> About a minute or two goes by, my mind had moved on. I'm like, now focusing on the cooking, and I hear from behind me again, little Monica, this time much more insistent and much louder, no, Daddy, I'm hungry now! Or you'll hear a little five-year-old squeaky voice. But, uh, uh, it's funny now. 
It wasn't so funny in the moment. Turn the flame down so I don't burn whatever it is. March her to her room. You go to your room. You stay there. I'll call you when the food is ready. She has a complete meltdown, right? Screaming, crying, you don't love me! All I want is... Right, in her mind, she was going to tell me she's hungry. And in her mind, I was just going to walk over to the refrigerator or walk over to the pantry, pull something out, and give it to her. And she'd walk away happy with her little thing. But that's not what happened, and she had a little fit. By the way, I asked Monica a while back if I, should, could, if I could share this story, so it's okay. But later on, I thought, okay, how many times do I do the same thing with God? God's got a plan. In fact, my breakfast was way better than anything I would have gone and given her immediately. But I wanted, you know, but, but she wanted it now. And wasn't willing to wait. But I do the same thing with God, right? I go, no, no, God, God, this is the way it should go. No, seriously, God, this is the way it should go. God's like, dude, relax. <laughs> I got this. Right? And I bet you do the same thing. <laughs> right? I think we all do. We get caught, caught up in the way we think it should go, even though God has a completely different and better plan. It just doesn't seem better in the moment. Thank you for listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast. For more information about our church, please visit greaterlongbeachchurch.com.